The Culture Guy Podcast, Episode 6. Welcome back to the Culture Guy Podcast, episode 6, in February now. Oh, I just love this dramatic choice of here. Episode 6 of the Culture Guy Podcast. Hope you guys missed me. Um, we're back on track. We're back in the mix. Um, it's taken me a while to upload the next episode. It's just because people were busy in the new year. They were trying to get up with their schedules. So um, no apologies. Um, we're back in swing. We've got lots of good guests lined up for the show. If you feel like you should be the next guest on this program, um, it's time for you to get in touch with me. All the links on how to get in touch with me you will find on the website and in the show notes. Easiest way is probably to hit me up on Twitter where my handle is Hoferle. It's the at symbol and then it's H-O-E-F-E-R-L-E. And we'll start the conversation and we'll find out how we can get you scheduled for an interview so you can be on this program. So for those of you who are listening for the first time, this is the Culture Podcast, the Culture Guy Podcast. Slow down, Christian. And this is a show dedicated to you. Those of you who are passionate about cultures and how culture influences everything we do. Um, the way we talk the way we listen, the way we act or react, and the way we feel and the way we see the world. I want this to be, or I have made it a mission to make this place um, um, an area for you to connect and engage with the people from around the world who are passionate about this topic, who care about cultural understanding. I'm your host. My name is Christian Hofer. Sounds German because I am. I'm also known as the culture guy and I welcome you on our journey to becoming agents of peace. Because if we work together well across cultures, we make the world a more peaceful place. So we make the connections, we eliminate the stereotypes, we bridge the gap, we overcome what separates us and focus on the things we have in common. So episode six, this is February 2016. Um, for those of you who only know this podcast and don't know where to find the rest of what we do, I would encourage you to visit our website. It's one word. It's called theculturemastery.com. The Culture Mastery. Uh, there's also a Twitter handle called Culture Mastery. It goes along with my personal one that I mentioned earlier. And we also have a Facebook page um, for the Culture Mastery. Just like us there, follow us on Twitter, send us emails, and most importantly, subscribe for our free newsletter. So if you go to the website, the Culture Mastery, 
you will find a button where it says get started all I'm asking you is your name and your email I promise I'm not gonna spam you I will send out the occasional info email and this is not to sell you stuff it is to keep you informed of what's going on in the world of cultural training and coaching and mentoring and masterminding. With that being said, I would like to alert you to something we've got cooking at the Culture Mastery and we will share more details as we um, hash them out in more detail. We are planning a program called the Culture Mastermind. It is a classical mastermind concept, but it is more geared towards the people working across cultures. So for those of you who may have read the book, um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, or even better, his book that was just published a couple years ago, years and years after his death, called Outwitting the Devil, he talks a lot about the power of the mastermind. And mastermind groups are an amazing uh, means or an amazing method to uh, combine the individual wisdom of its members. It's the classic one plus one plus one does not equal three, it equals four, it equals five. It's the power of the mastermind. People coming together with a shared interest, people coming together with a, a similar um, mindset and goals in life, and we work together on developing our cultural competence on developing our international savvy and our we share our experience in overcoming cultural obstacles um, as I said this is a, a huge plan a huge uh, new project for the culture mastery and you'll be hearing about this over and over in the future um, it just stay tuned we'll mention it on this website and you'll find more info in the blog of our website um, just keep that in the back of your mind. Also, let's not forget, I mentioned it earlier on last month's episode, I still have a book to give away for you. It is called Pivot. And it is written by my friend and mentor, Adam Markell. It's not out yet. They're still working to release it through Simon & Schuster. However, if you go to my website, you will find the link where you can pre-order the book. It is called Pivot, and it is free for you for now until the publisher releases it to the public. All you do is pay for shipping and handling, which is like $7.95. But the book itself is free. Plus, you will receive two tickets to a Reignite Weekend, which is one of the self-development, personal development programs that Adam's company is organizing. So you get the book, plus you get two free tickets to one of his events. So check out um, the link on the website for you. Share it. Share the link. It's I mean, uh, it's not just for you. If you feel that you know somebody that could benefit from this, go ahead and share that link. Let other people benefit from the book as well. And for all my cross-cultural, intercultural specialists and practitioners 
out there. Let's not forget that the Winter Institute for Intercultural Communication will have uh, will be in session in Charlotte in March. It will be March 7th through 10 at Wake Forest University in Charlotte Center. Go to my website, go to the show notes of this podcast, and you'll find the links um, about the program, about their agenda, and how to register. Winter Institute for Intercultural Communication, March 7th through 10th. And their website is intercultural.org. Today I have with me a dear friend from Japan that I met in the United States. His name is Takanori Endo, or we call him lovingly Taka. So I sat down with Taka just a while ago and recorded our conversation while he was in Japan and I was stateside, so thank God for technology. Without further ado, here is Taka. All right, today I have with me here Dr. Takanori Endo, and I hope I'm saying your name right, Taka. Um, That's right. <laughs> thank you for taking time to be on this program, and I'm allowing you to introduce yourself properly. Uh, we've talked about earlier on the program today that you are a psychologist and you're dealing with, with the cross-cultural aspects of psychology. Um, I met you in a different role. We we both attended um, self-improvement and, and, and professional development workshops. That's how we got to know each other. So mm-hmm. tell tell our audience a little bit about what exactly it is you do and what your what your role is in, in your profession. All right, awesome. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, the basic thing is the question I asked a lot of people is, would you like to improve your brain performance and shift from one mode to another, such as, you, people get stuck in the focus more mode, which is just on the problem, and then would you like to shift to a solution mode or go to the relaxation mode? And the brain could do those things. However, it's a skill set, and a lot of people don't have that skill set, except for some people like professional athletes and NASA you know, astronauts who actually get those kind of training. I provide those training in uh, my company. My name is Dr. Taka Endo. And I'm a CEO of Mind Life Solutions. We provide uh, brain trainings through machines like neurofeedback and also through uh, just regular workshop. And in other sense, we do a lot of uh, neuromarketing or that's the pop culture saying and uh, the actual science is called uh, science of decision making. So I do go into corporation like uh, General Electric's uh, 24-hour fitness, Toyota, some small companies that people know their name, right? <laughs> and uh, provide how to how to actually allow the people to make the decision to remember your brand or forget your brand. And once they remember, they actually want to buy it or tell the other people. Mm, That's inter- pretty much it. Interesting. And, Fascinating. Um, and interesting enough, because I do speak both Japanese and English fluently, a lot of the science is in um, other countries written in English journals. And then what I do is I read those things and translate it to Japanese and figure out how we will fit it into the 
Japanese population and culture because how to market is and sell stuff or how people um, accept treatment is so is slightly different、mm-hmm. in our culture. So that's what I do. So that that makes you a perfect guest for this program because not only do you transition、um, your your professional skill set between languages and cultures, but also, as people can now hear, your English is flawless. So,、um, but you are of Japanese descent. So tell tell our our audience how come that you speak English so well, even though you're not from the、Born、West. Born and raised. Yeah. <laughs> I was born and raised in Tokyo, Japan, till 18.、Uh, the reason why I do speak、uh, fluent English, but is for two reasons. One is I went to international school since、uh, four or five, five years old, and that's a British system. So we were taught supposedly British English, but I don't speak British English.、Um, and then my mom and my mom is actually a U.S. citizen, and that reason is because my Uh, grandfather, my mother, maternal grandfather, he was、uh, in U.S. Navy, and he's a Filipino Greek, and he, the only language he spoke was a Filipino language, which is Tagalog,、mm-hmm. and English. So, in order for me to communicate, or anybody in our family to communicate with him, we needed to either learn Tagalog or English. And、uh, from the perspective of which one is used more often in the world, it was English, so we learned English. So you never learned Tagalog. No, I can't speak Tagalog. Or、oh. he, technically, he actually speaks Greek, Greek too. But I never le- learned Greek. Okay, so you grew <laughs> up with 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 not only two languages but also two cultures. So how much, how much time or how many years did you spend in the United States?、Uh, I spent twelve, twelve years, and、uh, like if you add other times that I'm there in the in and out, like during summers and all that stuff, then、mm-hmm. probably like fifteen years. Okay, so the two of us are similar in, in that time span. So. Me being born, raised German, but I've spent about the same amount of of years in total in the United States. So we have a a, a similar、uh, similar experience. However, coming from different perspective, I'm looking at North America from a European perspective. You're looking at it from a Japanese. So,、mm-hmm. uh, ha- having said that,、uh, how do you how how is your North American experience as a Japanese? Do you see、uh, America as Part of you, part of your culture, part of your personal identity, or is it still something that is other or foreign、mm. or strange to you?、Uh, there's part that definitely I have absorbed, which is、uh, the parts that are beneficial for me.、Mm-hmm. For example,、uh, U.S. culture is very active in nature, or at least that is seen to be positive.、Mm-hmm. So it's go take action,、um, and、uh, a lot of the times those. Characteristic, almost like a, like a gangho warrior type of characteristic, is necessary at times, and、uh, that, and especially the level of the energy that people have in United States when it comes to celebration, or when it's not even celebration,、uh, it's very、uh, useful for me to be in that mode、uh, when I'm doing、uh, trainings or seminars because that's. If I don't raise the energy to that level that I've seen in the United States, then、uh, if I do any type of training,、uh, corporate training in Japan, people will start falling asleep, which is the nature or naturally that's what people do. So, how do they respond to the American level of energy that you bring to the room? Have you experienced uh, uh, that audiences in Japan are receptive of that, or that they are more skeptical of that?、Uh, as long as.、Uh, 
I don't know in terms of how others, or actually I do have students that of mine that went into corporate into the training. And the ones that succeed is they set up the context or the environment well. So they do explain why we're doing this and make it sound a little bit like intellectual in the nature in the beginning, then they just ac access that. Because it's not the fact that they don't do it. It's It's been compartmentalized. It's like locked in a box of that energy. And it only explodes when festival happens in Japan. And Japanese festivals are crazy in nature. Like people die and shit. So and die and shit is a very scientific term, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> right? So... <laughs> We're like talking about people dying. We have festivals like the most dangerous festivals on this planet, such as like what is it? Like num number three is uh, there's a god of fire, and it's a festival for god of fire, and it's already sounding bad. People have a torch of a size of a broom walking down the, the city, running down to the shrine and trying to burn the shrine to hell. In, in main in, in in downtown Tokyo, not downtown Tokyo. It's a uh, it's in Wakayama Prefecture. Okay. So, but it's still a it's still a, a city, right? So, all right. So, if you join, uh, make sure that you don't get burned. And you, you could join and beat the crap out of the priest with a, a firing broom and just I'll, try to burn down the shrine. Apparently, I'll call you first before I join. What yeah. what I what what I hear you say is if if you give um, the Japanese a good reason to um, be behave differently. Than they yes. normally would, then they will be accepting of it. If if you define the context for them, then they're okay with a different type of behavior. Is that right? Yeah, and they will bring it to the the edge. Like, okay. I I think it's um since it's been it's been locked in so long that when it opens up, it's just like Pandora box and like all the evil comes out kind of thing. It's <laughs> everything will show up, right? So as long as you bring you create that box of whatever you want to call safety or permission then they'll do it so as long as I set up the box correctly mm -hmm. then um, the energy of US is not enough for them okay L <laughs> let's go back to your your um, youth and, and, and childhood or, or, or early adulthood years you said the the first 18 years you you spent in in Japan, Japan and, and, and one of your parents is, is US citizen. So were you ever by your Japanese friends or, or um, fellow students in Japanese school or international school, were you ever perceived as an outsider or were you part of the group? Um, within the international school, we did have like, what is it, 60 different countries now, it's like 80 now. Mm -hmm. uh, different people from different culture coming in and we assume that is normal. Like difference is normal and okay. we just accept as is but then uh when once we go outside of our school mm -hmm. then we are the weird ones mm -hmm. apparently uh we would mix languages english and japanese together those kind of things so we did i did feel the okay we're like there's still i have the challenge of understanding what the hell is the common sense in mm -hmm. the japanese culture mm -hmm. So even moment, even growing up as as a teenager, you you were trying to figure out what does it mean to be Japanese. Uh, what does it mean to Jap be Japanese? I never worried about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, interesting enough, I thought I thought I was more Japanese than the people, a lot of people around. Okay. 
And the reason behind that is because um, uh, my father's side of family has been samurai for 400 years. Oh, wow. So, and then um, actually till my grandfather's era, he served the Lord, the, uh, the Lord, the Lord, right? And uh, so we have our own Japanese sword in our house. We have our, our, our special family crest. We all do, we do all the festivals or like uh, rituals uh, both Shinto and Buddhist rituals throughout the year that none of the Japanese, a lot of the Japanese people no longer do. Oh, wow. So were you raised in that, that samurai culture? Yeah. Okay. So I actually know how to uh, kill myself and kill other people honorably, if in that sounds bad. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, for, for those of our listeners who are only superficially familiar with the term samurai, in, in Western culture, samurai has taken on more of a pop cultural term um in in simple in simple language how would you explain samurai culture what does it mean to be samurai uh what to be what's to be mean a samurai it's uh they have their own principles on and discipline mm -hmm. and we live by that uh discipline and then uh we serve the lord it's it's similar to it's a government official basically mm -hmm. the samurais were and uh, the payment system was very similar to people who work uh, get salaries, business plan, mm -hmm. and they go to work, they do the work, and uh, they get paid, mm -hmm. regardless of how well or good or bad they do the work, they get paid. And they, when they get raised, they go in the upper upper rank. Mm -hmm. But in order to be in that culture, we needed to have we have our own uh, code of honor or rules or set of rules that we needed to follow principles. Okay. Okay. So it, it's, but it's a warrior semi-militaristic system, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, there's a lord. There's, it, it is the same bureaucratic system. There's mm -hmm. one in the top, and then there's another one on the bottom, and it just kinds of. Okay. Fall on the so, if you will, I mean, for it's a bad comparison, but it, it could be compared with a European feudal system where you have a, a high-ranking uh, monarch or, or, or noble. Um, yeah. authority figure and, and and the knights that fought for the nobleman, correct? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So how does that still play a role in today's uh, Japanese society? Is, is samurai culture still honored or is this something that is associated with the past? Um, there is some of the culture that is still left from the, um, the samurai culture which is um, losing face uh, is very important like face is important and what it's not only um, embarrassing yourself but embarrassing your family's name is uh, seen to be bad um, making a mistake uh, is seen to be a big deal especially how big it is and uh, in the old age you just needed to cut your stomach open and get killed mm -hmm. if you made a big mistake still in like the Japanese mafia world they get their finger chopped off for the fact that if you make a mistake uh, in in Japan, some people, depending on uh, how their mentality is, it's not a surprise that thirty thousand people kill themselves in this country. That, uh, that, that would have been one of my next questions. So, in in this society that honors um, face so much, or that it's important to not publicly admit to failure, or or even uh, have a failure uh, that would be of public shame. Um, mm -hmm. Japan is one of the countries with the highest suicide rates uh, uh, by by population. So, 
do you see that trend shifting? Is is there um, is Japanese culture relaxing a little bit in in that respect, or is it still very much uh, a, a problem or an issue? Um, it's the rate, uh, the reporting rate. Sometimes it goes down, sometimes it goes up, and it seems to be not changing as much. It's just the type of the people who commit suicide has shifted or the age range has shifted. It used to be older generation, like a mid, like a working range people. Now it's shifted to be the younger ones and the older ones. So the totality of the numbers not changed. And we, if you ride a train in Japan and you have a time to spend uh, like a month in Japan, even a week, you'll have an opportunity for your train to stop in the middle of nowhere because there's a human related accident Oh, wow. a code for somebody jumping into the train state like train track and killing themselves so. so why do you feel that the younger generations are are, are killing themselves what's what's shaming or what why are they losing face in, in the public eye well the thing is um uh recently like three three kids have committed suicide for the reason of not being able to pass the exam in order to enter a high school like in japan you get tested a lot tested a lot you get test you get testing to get into high school we get tested to go into um, university a lot of people did but imagine that you have that for high school middle school elementary school and kindergarten and kindergarten and uh, not being able to pass that test going into a, uni a university or high school that you wanted to or just being in the fact of you feel like you can't get to a point that you could pass the exam than uh, rather some people kill themselves. Um, and that's the pressure that is created. Of course, uh, um, if you have the same training as a samurai does to train your mentality and mindset, you don't kill yourself just simply for not, there's possibility that we're going to lose this war or battle. We're going to mm -hmm. kill them ourselves. It doesn't happen. Okay. But th these are people who doesn't, he, they're in the culture, but they never got the training. I understand. So when when you came to the United States um, in in your late teens and early twenties, um, you experienced that that type of social pressure in Japan, and all of a sudden you were brought into uh, North America, where there is a different type of social pressure. But to to a Japanese mind, it must seem like, well, are there no boundaries in this country? Is nobody <laughs> is nobody taking this education thing seriously? Um, so. What was your experience first when you came as a young man to the United States? Ex first experience? Yeah. First experience is holy shit. Uh, I, I actually the first time I ever went to U.S. was when I was five point five years old, six mm -hmm. years old, mm -hmm. uh, six years old. The reason is because I was going to international school and I couldn't speak English at all, and I was going to fail first grade unless or not go with my friends unless I speak English. So they just, my family sent me off offshore to the United States with my uh, aunt. And then as soon as we got into LA and my we saw our uncle, in the parking lot, there's two cops running after a black man and have the guns taken out, like actual Hollywood shit style, and uh, holding the guy up with guns. Like I was like, where the hell did I come from? Like, where the hell is going on? Like, seriously, that's the first scene I... I've seen and still remember in the LA parking lot, airport parking lot. So okay. Which, it's, which, 
which is a, is an interesting example because is is it it highlights what what some observers would say um, um, the violence that you see in the United States on a daily basis. If you turn on the news, there's the United States can be a, a culture that where, where violent conflict resolution seems much more okay than it is in other cultures. Correct. That's exactly true and um, my profession as a degree wise I'm a forensic clinical psychology so it's a criminal clinical psychology and the reason why I'm the only forensic clinical psychologist in Japan is because we don't have that to even we don't have a degree for that Wow we don't have a doctorate in Japan for forensic clinical psychology because there's no need to specialize in it because we don't have that much crime so the, the the type of crime in Japan is not as much um, murders or, or or what do you mean? What you don't have that kind of crime? Can you specify? Well, let's put it this way: you know the uh, city called Nashville, right? Nashville, mm. Tennessee. Yes. The number of murder cases in Nashville, Tennessee, is equivalent to how many murder cases there is in the whole country of Japan. Interesting. So. That we do have crime, but the the number is relatively small. That there need there's no need to actually educate and create a specialist for a, a incident that doesn't occur that much. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. But before we go into <laughs> your work, um, w would you be okay? And I, I don't want you to to lose face. I don't want you to lead I don't want to lead you down that path, but if, if if you're comfortable with it, would you like to share with our audience some some of the moments that you had uh in North America as a as a young Japanese man where you made cultural mistakes, where you made a fool out of yourself maybe because you you did not act according to what was considered normal, quote unquote normal in US oh. society? Do you remember those uh. moments? It's actually uh, one of the moments that I was like, I felt, oh shit, was um, uh, when I, it's later on when uh, we visited uh, our uncle in LA. Mm -hmm. And uh, my uh, cousins are driving to this place, and the place, the, the restaurant's name or the place's, like, food place name is called Happy Bento, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, who the fuck would name that shit like so like come on right it's it doesn't go well mm -hmm. and it was actually my uh, my aunt's restaurant and i was like after i made that comment i was like damn it okay got it it needs some lame name in this country is okay okay and as long as it's like a japanese word and combination with a simplistic english word it's okay you know I don't. Nobody would name that in in Japan. Mm -hmm. Who would you know? But that's just. So you, yeah. you you felt that the trivialization of Japanese culture was not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or her. We I get asked questions just because I'm Japanese and it's, and uh, there's things that I know that I would answer it. And one of the thing was like in our university, my undergrad university, we had a club called Ninja Club, mm -hmm. and it's the depiction of the ninja of all Halloween ninja. Yes, and not the actual ninja, which was uh, equivalent to like a 
uh, spies and private investigators mm. or like the intelligence of nowadays. So mm. they literally, what they did was collect statistics and data, mm. the original ninjas, not the one that's like Hollywood style, suddenly show up in the middle of nowhere and kill people, right? Yeah. And you get to ask questions about those things. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> which, 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 I have to ask this. So are there actual ninja turtles in Japan? <laughs> no, I guess, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, did you ever, in while you were in undergrad or, or later on in the U.S., did you ever uh, alienate others because you were acting very quote-unquote Japanese, where you did not uh, feel comfortable giving uh, negative feedback, or where you avoided to say no to somebody's face? Did that ever happen? Well, apparently, I didn't have. Um... I didn't know until later on, mm -hmm. but when I went to grad school, there were certain people that I did hang out with, and those are people who were from a different country, like from Dominican Republic, or have a mixture of mentality, or like very liberal or international, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then, then the other rumors that was something about myself, because I didn't share a lot to other people back in the time. Mm -hmm. That they thought either A, I was a serial killer, or two, B, I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> and and both turned out to be true or not? No. <laughs> no for, for the record, Taka is married, and uh, as, as to my knowledge, she has not killed anyone so far. So, so far, yeah. So far. <laughs> we, we, well, we, maybe we, one, just it's not serial, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> So t tell me about uh, tell me about the work you do. You you're uh, a psychologist and you are a cross cultural psychologist. So what does that mean? And and what can we as as your listeners in in the cross cultural field? What can we learn from your work? Um. So what I do is uh, the only reason why I have business is because not many people uh, fluently read English in the specifically in the academic level and be able to translate that to a practical level mm -hmm. and fit it into the culture and um, we do a lot of studies in the science field like psychology field but then the reality is okay there's certain aspect that human beings are the same because we have brains and eyes and all you know limbs and all that stuff that is equal but then the, the development of the how you develop in a different culture has an impact in our 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 mentality or how we think how we behave uh, how, what the rules are and we need to fit the the science to the rules and there are some errors that happen in uh, the study mm -hmm. like right now uh, sometimes I do teach people sales sell sales um, how to how to sell to people's unconscious mind and do regular sales training because some people never got sales training so it's kind of weird to, to talk about technical stuff before actually doing the basic mm -hmm. and uh we do i do seminars i do lectures and i do sell from the stage if i do the strategy that's exactly the same in united states the level of close i get is is i was still close but it's not that much okay i could increase that by including so-called test clothes not test clothes meaning uh do, do you like this and just checking out if they want it or not no that's not the thing the exam or we could call it exam clothes which is we have for people who want to buy this product it's not for everybody we actually need to t you need to take an exam and if you do pass the test 
then you have the right to buy this product. Who the hell would love that stuff? That's only in Japan that gets tested like crazy that they would love to actually get an exam to buy a, a product. That's so crazy. You, but you, you, your customers works. have to pre-qualify to be customers. They have to pass a test. And that that's a motivational factor for a Japanese consumer. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. It's interesting. It's like you need to have like extra steps before you actually buy. And people love that stuff. Which and would be the exact only... opposite to to how American customers like to be treated. They want to have the red carpet rolled out and and make it easy for them to buy. Whereas you seem to put up obstacles and hurdles from coming from a Western perspective. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like it can't be that easy, right? right. You know, you need to show that the fact that it's not easy to get that stuff. And they were and... like, we need to fight for it, like a samurai does. Well... <laughs> so it, it's to make it hard, to make it worthwhile, right? Exactly. Which, which, which brings me to a question that I had. I had a conversation with you uh, several months ago when, when, when the topic was in the news, and and now when this podcast goes live, it, it's all long forgotten. It's ancient history. But there was several months ago, maybe a year ago from from this recording, um, there was a case uh, with, with a Toyota and uh, a female American executive that they brought into Japan, and the lady got caught bringing. Um, uh, medicine or, or, or drugs to to Japan that are illegal to use in Japan, which I don't want to go into the whole ordeal about the legalities and the circumstance of this case, but what you told me when we had this conversation was, well, this is just a highlight of how um, two cultures uh, go about dealing with pain and pain management completely different. In the United States, there is a drug for every for every symptom, and in Japan, people don't take these kind of drugs so mm -hmm. can, can you explain that in, in in simple terms well a lot of the time um if in uh there's there's this mentality that you you suffering is expected and you how to deal with suffering is more of a mindset mm -hmm. and uh the drugs that this uh lady uh ceo or so brought in was uh, oxycodone mm -hmm. And oxycodone is a legal drug in the United States. Oxycodone is totally illegal in, in Japan because they don't believe, well, first of all, it's addictive to the nature. Benzos are addictive. Mm -hmm. And, and then second of all, they don't believe that there is a necessity of uh, killing pain with such a thing. Why don't you just breathe? Why don't you meditate? Why don't you, you know, use your mindset and just go get over with it, right? Mm -hmm. It's the pain tolerance is ridiculously higher okay. in um, in Japan, and then that is expected for everybody. What would you recommend for people who come from the Western context, North America, Europe, um, come to Japan for uh, an extended period of time, not just traveling, just coming there to work maybe for a couple of weeks or months or even years um, what will be some of the uh, the quick tips you would give a westerner uh, quick tips to westerners uh, make it challenging for Japanese people mm -hmm. okay <laughs> um, <clears throat> there are very uh, very uh, what you might call a respectful there's they are very um, caring and at the same time, uh, they won't go deep at the same time. Okay. At the surface level, they will be very, very uh, respectful and caring and 
hospital, like. But then when you when you go, there won't be much deaths that they will allow you to go to. That's not naturally shared. So unless you get uh, pissed drunk with them. So if you want to hear some uh, deep emotional stuff, then go get drunk with um, salaryman, so-called business people in Shinbashi area of Tokyo. They get pissed drunk and they'll tell you stuff about their life. <laughs> but they won't mention any of that the next morning, right? It will be... No. It will no. be... Bo <laughs> so, both of them will know it, but we'll never talk about it again, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to see uh, the extreme of um, Japanese people, go to the crazy festivals. They do it almost 365 days uh, somewhere in Japan. There's festivals, and uh, crazier the better. There's festivals that throw fires. There's festivals that throw fists. There's festivals that throw boxes and aim the corner to people's temple. Okay. You know, and bleeding is good. So. Um, just to watch it from a third person perspective and uh, it's it's a it's a moment of like what the hell is going on it's very a stimulus uh, exposing that kind of stuff into your brain I don't know but it's <laughs> interesting to watch. I'll, I'll, I'll make I'll make travel plans right now <laughs> so ta ta taka from 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 your experience living between or with those two cultures with with North American and Japanese traditional culture and samurai culture um, what is your big takeaway? What what is your what what can people learn from your experience? Um, how, how do you cross cultures without losing yourself? Um, be flexible for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, adaptation is the key, and the adaptation you you apply the things that works for you for real and just keep it. And um, regardless of what other people say if it's very important for you then just keep it as is <laughs> and uh, uh, if you have a definite position of who you are then you'll just attract people who accept you as who you are and then just leave the people that call you serial killer or gay whatever it is just that, that's their freaking problem <laughs> all right that sounds good <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ta Taka this is amazing I, I, I love your experience there, there, you've got so many stories we need to do this again sometime because we, we, we can go on for two hours um, how do yeah. people find you if they want to get in touch with you if they need to um, either have a contact in Japan or if they want to learn about your psychology work how do people find you on the World Wide Web um, the easiest way is I do a lot of my posts on ta uh, Facebook so if you search on Taka Endo mm -hmm. then uh, you'll find a bald-headed guy with the glasses on okay. and they're probably connected to Christian here so I'll, I'll make uh, sure to post can... a link to your profile in the show notes so we'll, we'll make sure yeah. that it, it's linked there um, you're also on LinkedIn right so is it okay yeah. if I post that link and um, sure. you're on Twitter right um, at Takanoriendo correct yes exactly any, any other outlets that people should visit um, it's under construction. Originally, I had a website, www.takaendo.com, and it's transitioning. Uh, it was transitioning from English to Japanese, and it's on hold. So, okay. so once we'll, that is done, that, then uh, there will be English site there, okay. too. Well, we'll, we'll, I'll make sure to post all of that. And again, um, arigato. Uh, thank you, and danke for, for being on okay. the program. <laughs> and he speaks German too. Oh, the man of many cultures and many languages. Uh, uh, th thank you for being on the program. I really appreciate it. And um, 
since this is the first recording in the new year of 2016, I hope you have a uh, healthy and successful and blessed new year. And I hope to have you on the program again soon, Tucker. Yes, it was my pleasure and thank you for calling. All right. Mr. Takanori Endo. Arigato, Taka-san. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I was so impressed with these stories. If you would like to connect with Dr. Endo, or as we call him, Taka, um, check out the show notes. I posted the links to his Facebook, to his LinkedIn, to his Twitter, and to his websites that are in transition. Uh, make sure to reach out to him. He does follow back, and he's got a wicked sense of humor, as you may have noticed. This was episode 6, the February edition of the Culture Guy podcast. Please make sure you check out the website, theculturemastery.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Also, check out the show notes with all the links, especially with a link to your free copy of the Pivot Book to the information about the Intercultural Communication Institute and their winter programs in Charlotte. And stay tuned with this program because we got amazing guests coming on in the next couple of weeks and months. And of course, you also want to learn about our new program, The Culture Mastermind. And what I didn't mention earlier, this is going to be a year-round program for members to be part of. And we'll do this globally. We will have multi-day retreats in North America, in Europe, and in Asia. So you better be ready for travel. And better have a valid passport that's good for at least six months out. Because we're going to take you to countries that require a valid passport. We'll take you to the jungle. We'll take you to the tropics. We'll take you up the mountains. to the desert. Most of all, we'll take you to where culture is and where it's different from yours. And you will improve your cultural savvy, your cultural competence during the Culture Mastermind. Again, thank you for listening. Um, I'll hear you again on the next episode uh, might be coming a little sooner than this one so stay tuned make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on Stitcher and give us feedback the feedback on the last episode with Andy Molinsky was amazing we had this. the last show was probably the most successful one so far we had an amazing response from our audience keep it up people comment on the blog send us feedback via twitter or send me an email and make sure you reach out to me to connect me to people who should be on this program soon and it might just be you
it for now, the Culture Guy podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care.